the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Rachel Gilbert. Welcome to the London Free Press Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and today we're talking about homelessness in London. Newly released data on nonprofit agencies shows that London nonprofits may face deeper problems than those feeling the same pressures elsewhere, mostly due to lack of funding. Homelessness in the city is growing, and there is a shortage of outreach workers and cash to help. So today I'm talking with London Free Press reporter Megan Stacy about this issue and what local agencies say needs to happen to help. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm doing well, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. So let's just talk about the data briefly, uh, just an overview, the data that was released from uh, local agencies here in London. Uh, it was a bunch of agencies together that got together to get this data, right? Yeah, that's right. It was sort of a study and analysis done by the Workforce Development and Planning Board and Pillar Nonprofit uh, Network. So they were drawing actually from a number of different sources, and they've done a couple of these, you know, data dumps and releases with some really interesting data. Their aim, of course, is to talk about the picture for nonprofits, especially after COVID. And the Workforce uh, Planning and Development Board obviously has a lot of uh, investment in this issue as well. So generally speaking, the numbers were really interesting, not uh, not really in a good way, but in kind of an alarming way to look at, you know, what are nonprofits facing? And so we were zeroing in on our latest story about especially nonprofit agencies that work with the homeless, that have frontline outreach teams. Uh, but generally speaking, what the pillar uh, data showed us is that nonprofits, you know, they're hiring more often for temporary and contract positions compared to employers outside of the nonprofit sphere. You know, they're using pay increases or giving pay increases less often, again, than employers outside the nonprofit sector. And, you know, really showing that there is sort of that element of precarious work often for people who are, are in nonprofits. So the data doesn't necessarily show us, you know, how deep or how precarious are those conditions, but the general picture is that you've got less stable employment, uh, you know, money, uh, inflation, all of these factors might be hitting you harder if you're a nonprofit, either, you know, employer trying to keep, uh, keep yourself in the black or an employee trying to do this kind of good work, you know, but not really seeing the pay, the benefits, the stability that you mm -hmm. might be for, for such a difficult role. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, as you said, a lot of these outreach workers uh, in terms of homelessness, especially are underpaid. Right. So it's they're, they're really doing this because they believe in the work. I think that that kind of proves that. Right. Those who have stuck around are doing this because they believe in the work. Um, but we're losing a lot of people, too. So we're losing a lot of workers to do this kind of work. Absolutely. And, you know, I was saying to some people yesterday when I was doing these interviews, like, I just can't imagine how dedicated you have to be to the work to stick around, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you really think about the job that these folks are doing, oftentimes interacting with people with, you know, really serious challenges, maybe mental illness, addiction challenges, like behavioral issues, right? That's often when an outreach team is there, it's because something's gone really amiss, right? Or somebody really needs some help. And yeah, you're talking about people who, you know, don't even have the benefits of, you know, proper vacation time, they're working contract to contract, uh, you know, maybe they were laid off either, either temporarily or permanently during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, you know, you're facing all kinds of new pressures, both in terms of the needs, the demands that we're seeing in London in terms of a growing homelessness population, a 
growing homeless population and mm-hmm. you know, some deeper needs. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you're, you're doing this work, but you're really not getting compensated for it in any way. So you're obviously driven by something uh, really important there, but it does beg the question, right? What do we do if you don't have enough people sticking around? Because we are seeing some people leave the sector. Of course, we can't say that's why uh, necessarily, but certainly the the picture that we have suggests and, and folks that we spoke to suggest that these are some of the factors that are driving people away from the sector for good. Sure. So in addition to losing uh, people who who we need to work in this area, um, homelessness in itself is becoming a bigger problem in London, and it's becoming more complex, say a lot of the outreach workers. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So the city hall jargon, and I think some agencies use it as well as high acuity. Essentially, that means you're the kind of person who needs the most amount of help, right? So mm-hmm. these are the people targeted by the winter response efforts that we talk about, right? They're the people who either can't or won't use a traditional emergency shelter. Maybe they have behavioral issues that have been kicked out or even banned altogether. Maybe they don't appreciate having to give up their stuff part with their pets or partner, Um, you know, maybe they're using drugs, and there's a rule against that. And so they're not they're not staying in a shelter overnight. And so you're left with this group uh, that is growing, you know, of really people with the biggest challenges, and they're left without somewhere to go or, you know, for some reason, there's that disconnect between I'm here having a really tough time and where can I go to get some help? And, Mm -hmm. you know, outreach teams are connecting with these people, right? Day after day. And if you talk to frontline workers, that's what you hear. You know, they're going down near the river. They're going down along public paths. They're finding people where they are in encampments. So it's a really difficult population to serve. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't do it personally, but I think it's pretty, pretty safe for us to say that, right? That's a really mm-hmm. difficult job. And at the same time, you've just got that volume growing as well, more people in a tough spot. And, you know, people who have survived COVID while homeless, you know, you're facing more issues than ever. Even healthcare is a really important issue, right? If, if mm-hmm. you've got health needs that either drove you into homelessness or have worsened since you've been living on the streets, it's really hard to get that taken care of, get those issues addressed when you don't have a roof over your head. And, you know, we all know these are complicated layered issues that are kind of playing into each other, right? And and generally just making things um, really difficult to address and, and move towards solutions. Right. And if we're not retaining workers, it seems to me that you know, having workers who regularly engage with this population, they're trusted by them, right? And so they maybe they can help them a little bit more because the population will trust them. The homeless will trust them, right? Because they see them more often. But if we're losing these critical workers, these outreach workers that we need, you know, we're, we're going to lose out, right? We're not going to be able to help them as well. Absolutely. And that's what a number of people were saying to us when we wrote this story, right? There is real consequences to the fact that people are leaving the sector. It's not maybe the kind of field where you can just hire more and add people in. That's the whole point, right? So I think the trust that you mentioned is a great point. Relationship building with folks on the street so they know that's a familiar, friendly face. They know somebody is going to do what they say they do or that they're going to come back tomorrow when they say they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then, you know, you've also got this point about who is who are these new people? Who are the new hires coming in? And a lot of agencies talk to us about the difficulty in training, right? How can you possibly train someone for this kind of work? It's it's a, a difficult task. And uh, Chuck Lazenby with the Unity Project 
you know, went as far as to say there is no training that can prepare you for this until you are in the workforce, right? So there's a lot of on the ground training on the job training that has to happen. And again, what does that take people to do the training resources Mm -hmm. and money and time to make it happen. So it's really this complex web where as you say, you're losing that, you know, institutional knowledge and experience from those veteran workers. And what you are adding might not be quite at the same level you might not be getting all of the support that you need for the people that they serve sure can you talk a little bit about funding and where these agencies are getting their funding from um what they're maybe hoping for in the future because they're nonprofits right they're they don't have a lot of money to begin with so where is this funding coming from if any Absolutely. And I'm sure all nonprofits can relate to this, whether you work in the homelessness sector or or not, right? So there are a number of key streams, I would say. Government is one that might mean city hall. It certainly does for frontline homelessness agencies or shelters, emergency shelters, but it might might also mean senior levels of government, the province, the feds. Uh, so those are a, that's a big source of funding. Likely you've got somebody on staff or somebody on the side of their desk is writing grants, writing proposals, trying to tap into some of that government cash in order mm-hmm. to keep things going. And then some, of course, receive like base operational funding. That's the case for our emergency shelters in London where City Hall through the province, um, that money flows to City Hall and it's shared with emergency shelters. Of course, for I I think almost every nonprofit, your donations, like private fundraising and donations is a big, big uh, part of your funding and fundraising. And, you know, that's also an issue. A lot of the big fundraisers, big in-person events have not been happening for a number of years, or maybe you lost, you know, one to two years of that kind of big in the door funding that you normally counted on to kind of balance out your budget. So that's Mm -hmm. a major issue. And of course, everything we just talked about is really compounding on this, right? Maybe you were making your budget happen in 2010, but your needs in 2022 might be a little bit different over and above, you know, what you were already doing to bring that cash in the door. Sure. Another thing that is uh, frustrating a lot of the outreach workers is some of the policies that are in place that they have to enforce that they say it doesn't really help the homeless population. It might actually hinder them in a lot of ways. Absolutely. So I will say really depends who you're talking to, right? Some people are more forthright about this than others, but certainly that's something that we heard from some people. And really it's about, you know, do you believe in kind of these overarching policies that your agency has to follow, right? Mm -hmm. But we've seen this tension grow. I think that's the best way that I can describe it, right? We saw the forgotten 519 going through with a hunger strike just a few months ago in order to kind of move the needle on some of these issues at City Hall, say this is not the way we need to be dealing with encampments, for instance. So you're seeing that tension grow between some frontline workers and agencies and sort of like the powers that be, whether that's City Hall, whether that's, um, you know, policing or like security agencies, those sorts of issues. And really, I think a lot of that's coming to a head, right? Because you've got sort of the key issues of safety, safety both for people who are living on the streets and also for everybody else who lives in London is trying to enjoy the downtown, whatever it may be. You've Mm -hmm. got that security issue, right? Businesses, um, the public, all all of these people who are interacting with their homeless neighbors want to feel safe and secure and you know, make sure that they can operate their businesses or live their lives. And then you've got kind of that human rights component of is what we're doing 
uh, right and does it make sense if you're breaking up an encampment down here are you just moving it down the road or you know across town to another location so I think the pressures are really intense for all of these people and yeah what we're hearing from some frontline workers is you know they're being asked to enforce rules that are not making this any better they're not solving the problem they yeah. feel that that might even be harming their clients and obviously it's pretty difficult to find yourself in that situation where you're having to enforce rules that maybe you don't believe in and you don't think are effective or are helping the situation. Sure. Um, I, I want to touch on something you kind of mentioned, and that's yeah, nimbyism, you know, not in my backyard. I have been in, in the news business in London for a long time. And a, some of the conversations is are seem to be, uh, you know, get the homeless people out of my sight, get them out of downtown, get them out of here. But where are they going to go? And is that, you know, the reason during the election? And you and I talked about this a lot, too, for more affordable housing and more supports in that way. Um and that's a great long term goal. But what do we do right now, too? You know, this is a, it's such a, a complex issue and you can't just move them from one spot to another. Right. Yeah, I think that's such a good point, Rachel, everything that you mentioned. So absolutely. Is there some nimbyism that's, you know, rearing its head here? I think for sure. And at the same time, you know, you've got people who are trying to run businesses or, you know, having their, their homes or their sheds broken into repeatedly, repeatedly. And so you can mm -hmm. understand that frustration too, right? And sometimes that mm -hmm. delves into sort of that NIMBY angle that's really not helpful for anyone. And I think you're right. The bottom line there is, okay, if you don't want it here, where do you want it? right? Whether that's drop-in spaces, um, you know, meal programs for people who are living on the street, any of those things, right? We, I think we all agree that these sort of services have to be located somewhere. So it is kind of difficult, you know, to, to find the place that that's going to make everybody happy. Usually it's going to make everybody happy, except the people who are next door. Uh, sure. But I think that also speaks to some of these larger issues, right? Both the tension that's growing maybe between workers and um, city hall or, you know, workers and their own agencies, but also, you know, just that reality of needs are growing and people are getting more desperate. And if we don't have the necessary staff to be making inroads and, you know, uh, staffing up these, these solutions or these services, we're going to be in a really desperate situation, right? Something I hear from a lot of people is why can't we just do X, right? Why can't we just create a safe, sort of campground where people could pitch a tent or why can't we have a 24 seven center where people can stop in and, you know, have a shower, get some sleep. Well, a lot of those great ideas that are coming from a lot of different angles, the one consistent factor is who is going to operate it, right? Mm -hmm. Who's going to operate it and where is that money going to come from? So to mm -hmm. me, that's kind of the bottom line question. It's a question that we ask when city hall releases their winter response plans, which we're expecting very soon, right? Mm -hmm. It's the question we ask when individuals say, I, Hey, I've got this great idea or, Hey, I've got space that I'm willing to offer. You always have to come back to, okay, but who is going to be there? Right? Because to circle back to what we talked about, these are some of the people with the highest needs and sometimes things can get really tricky and even violent. So you've got to have mm -hmm. trained, capable staff to operate these kinds of services or drop in spaces. And that's something that, you know, we might see come to a head very soon if we see more people leaving the sector. Yeah, it's so complex. Okay, let's look ahead a little bit. And um, we are expecting to hear from the city about their winter response plans soon. Is that right? We, do we have any idea what that might include? 
That's right. I don't really have a good sense right now of what that's going to include, Rachel. But, um, you know, we can look to what have we seen in the past and what sort of signals or um, hints have we seen from City Hall. So this year's winter plan, uh, the housing director, housing boss has shared earlier shared with council that it's not a city led plan. It's you know, a collaboration between a whole bunch of community agencies and the city is involved in some way. So I don't know, I assume that means providing quite a bit of the funding to make things happen. Um, but, you know, every year since this began, it began uh, the first year after COVID in the next winter, there's been these same questions, right? We can offer this amount of space, but you, the community agencies have to be willing to staff it. That's something that City Hall said in the very first year. So we're expecting some uh, sort of spaces, some sort of place or places where people can go to get out of the cold. That's the bottom line. And I think a lot of other people are hoping that we might see something that could track to a little bit more permanent of a solution. I don't know if that's what we're going to see this year, but it does seem a little bit a little bit nuts that every winter we come up to this same question, right? What are we going to do? It's already November, early November, but you know, things mm -hmm. are, it's getting cold. It's not unusual that we might have a big snowstorm in November as well. And so it's uh, a little bit like square one every single fall when, you know, politicians and citizens are asking what's happening this year. And it always mm -hmm. seems to be a plan plan that's going to be revealed. So we're waiting to see what just what that includes. But what we know right now is that it's City Hall working with a number of agencies, and they've been hashing out this plan for a number of weeks now. Well, we'll wait to um, hear more about the plan. Hopefully it's out soon. And certainly we'll follow your stories, Megan, on LFPress.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me and for the chat, Rachel.